0: We are continuing our series on the book of Acts this morning, and we are going to be in Acts chapter 3, the passage that you just heard read. Uh, I pray that God will bless the preaching of his word this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, the mighty friend of sinners, amen? Amen. What are you boasting about? I imagine imagine you are in a courtroom, and you are the defendant of the biggest crime possible. Regarding your crime, you are anticipating a result of enduring some serious charges. You, the defendant who is facing the judge, does not know what to do. Regrets and shame prevail against you at that moment because you don't know where to turn. So right before the judge is ready to announce your sentence, suddenly you hear the judge declare a verdict not guilty. Because during that time, someone anonymous just paid the debt required for your price on your behalf. You are a free man. You are a free woman. What do you do when you are set free from such a prize? Well, of course, you burst forth with great excitement, which requires great celebration. But But when you are set free from your crimes, would you be inclined to boast about yourself or the person who paid to set you free from your crimes? What are you boasting about? In Acts 3, we are going to remind ourselves that there is someone greater who is worth boasting about? Uh, all of us stand guilty before a holy judge. But now we stand blameless before him because of the price he's paid for us through the blood of his son. And we are witnesses of what he has done for us in Christ and so as we look at Acts 3 together this morning my encouragement for you according to this passage is to only boast in the power of Christ when you witness about Christ only boast in the power of Christ when you witness about Christ at the end of chapter 2 as we heard last week we are told that the early Christians were very committed to prayer as one of the essential devotions of being a church and so Peter and John were going to the to to pray during the hour of prayer at the temple the ninth hour which In this case, it's 3 p.m. We are also told that many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles in chapter 2, verse 43. So here in Acts chapter 3, the passage reveals a story about one of those signs and wonders when Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray. We can think of at least three ways to ponder this text together. First, we see the unexpected gift, thus verses 1 to 10. Second, the necessary address from Peter regarding the gift, thus verses 11 through 16. And then third, the urgent call also from Peter, thus verses 17 to 36. But notice first, the, urgent, uh, the unexpected gift. Peter and John had no problem continuing their Jewish custom of being devoted to prayer at the certain hour of the day. Because Peter and John were not going to the temple at the hour of sacrifices, but rather they were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. In those days, the early church had two primary daily services of worship, which were held in the morning and in the evening. And so here comes Peter and John walking, headed to the temple to pray during the second service. It was there at the temple gate, the gate identified here as the gate beautiful. It was at the steps of that gate where they had an encounter with a lame man from birth. He was laying there begging for arms, begging for some sort of money. This lame man simply wanted nothing but support from these apostles. He wanted money to at least get some food due to the condition that he was in. The lame man felt like he had no other option than to beg for alms because that's what he wanted at the time. Church, It is 100% okay to steward your resources by way of kingdom service to those in need because as we heard last week that one reason we have fellowship with Christ is we share out. This man, had a better reason to believe that begging alms for personal support at the beautiful gate was the wisest thing to do. Here's why. In the Judaism tradition, there was a tradition of giving alms which was done as an act of righteousness. So when this man was begging for alms, he could expect faithful Jews to provide him with support. So Peter and John told him, verse 4 Look at us. Look at us. And once he told him this, the man fixed his attention on them, expecting. To receive something from them. But Peter said I have no silver and gold but what I do have I give to you. In whose name? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. The man must have been filled with excitement when Peter and John gaze at him intently. It is quite easy for people, especially Christians, to ignore beggars or homeless folks. It is quite easy not to care or make eye contact with such a people, whatsoever. But I'm glad that you, Bethel Baptists value the homeless. I'm glad that you are persistent in embracing the needy folks by valuing them with the affection of Christ. May 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 God's gospel prevail mightily in areas like Sunday Breakfast Mission and more. We must strive and continue to focus our attention on these people because these people are more like us, men and women, even those struggling, who are made in the image of God. When Peter and John gazed at this lame man so intently, he probably thought he had financial gift coming, so he made eye contact with Peter and John as well. I imagine, I imagine this lame man stretching out his hands, or some sort of a cup, expecting some kind of generosity, Generosity in return. Uh, correct. He was expecting to receive something from them. But what he received was not at all what he expected. God, in his divine sovereignty, had something better in mind for this man. Many people have come to a place where they really need and expect something from God. The question is, should people expect things from God? Yes, absolutely. But we should not be a people who settle for the prosperity of this world. God wants us, he, God wants to give us himself by uniquely manifesting his mighty power to us. Peter and John did not have any possessions available at hand to offer this man. But what they had was authority given to them by Christ to heal the sick. We see in verse 6, Peter declared, What I do have, I give to you. In Luke chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, reads this. And he, Jesus, called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Peter had divine possessions. He had God-given authority and power to perform signs and wonders to other people because Jesus himself commissioned him and the rest of the apostles to do this. He had the authority to perform this miracle. He had the authority to perform it not in his name, but in the name of the person who gave him the authority to do this. You can imagine how it was initially hard for him to hear, I have no silver or gold. Especially when he needed material support. I picture this lame man perhaps troubled in heart. I picture him saying, statement like this, all you godly folks don't even care about me. You can't even support me. Uh, Look at the situation I'm in. I'm struggling and suffering. And you have the audacity to just walk on by me. You guys, you guys don't give a rip about me. People and situations like these are difficult and sad to see for sure. But it is Normal more due to the effect of the fall and the dark reality with which we live in. This man was enduring hardship from birth. Think about that. But Peter and John had something greater than just supporting his financial need. They wanted to give him something much greater. They wanted to radically transform his life with the power of the risen Christ. Peter gave this lame man an unexpected gift, gift that came only by the power of the Lord's name. Peter could not give this gift unless he had it for himself. So he uttered to the man, I give you the gift in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Commenting on verse 6, Pastor Arkane Hughes says this, quote, Jesus was from Nazareth. He was a Nazarene, and this had been used to insult Christ during his life on earth. But now, Peter waved it like a banner. The name of Christ is glorious in splendor. We'll talk about the name of Christ and his glorious name later in the second point. But what we see here is Peter grabbing the man by his hands and raising him up. It is one thing to say, rise up and walk, but it is another thing to help the man by hand in action and lifting him up to his feet. Peter was displaying the ability to trust God in this particular situation. Uh, Peter had the ability to trust God for something completely out of the ordinary. So when he raised this man up, immediately, the text said, his feet and ankles were made strong. Physical strength came to the lame man after Peter said, rise up and walk, and after taking his right hand and lifting him up. Former evangelist G. Campbell, G. Campbell Morgan articulated this idea when he said, quote, perhaps only medical men can fully appreciate the meaning of these words. Uh, they are peculiar technical words of a medical man. The word translated feet is only used by Luke and occurs nowhere else. It indicates his discrimination between different parts of the human heel. The phrase ankle bones is again a medical phrase to be found nowhere else. Uh, The word leaping up describes the coming suddenly into the socket of something that was out of place, the articulation of a joint. This, then, is a very careful medical description of what happened in connection with this man. As soon as this man was healed, The formerly lame man did three good things. First, he associated with the apostles. The text says he entered the temple with them. Second, he immediately began to use what God had given him, walking and leaping. And then third, he began to praise the name of God. See, this man was more than 40 years old. How do we know that? Acts chapter 4, verse 22. He had been disabled all his life from birth, and everyone knew about him. God's timing is just as important as his will. It was for the greater glory of God that this man received the unexpected gift from the divine power of God through his apostles, causing many to be filled with wonder and amazement. So what did Peter do when people wondered about this? He gave them our second point, which is the necessary address. Look at verse 11 again with me. It says, While he, the lame man, clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Since this man had the physical ability to now walk, that was the outcome that he received more than just asking for alms. Uh, Due to the unexpected gift which he received, he was filled with such gratitude and started praising God. He was not praising Peter and John. He was praising God. Uh, That is the clear evidence that he had faith in God. But in the the combined sense of the surprise of his healing, the crowd was utterly astounded, the text says. They were astounded to the point where they were led to run together as they approached the apostles in Solomon's portico. Uh, Solomon's portico was aligned line from the original temple constructed by King Solomon himself. It was a huge temple, indeed. You can read all about that in 1 Kings chapter 6 in your free time. Uh, Nevertheless, when the people ran to them at the portico of Solomon, Peter took the advantage to set things straight. He gave these people the necessary address. He took the opportunity to address these people, letting them know that this healing miracle had nothing to do with them. Letting them know that the healing was about something so bigger than the miracle itself. Listen to what he told them in verse 12. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, God raised from the dead to this, we are witnesses. What a glorious testimony. Peter and John boasted of the power of Christ as witnesses of Christ. The formerly lame man certainly had great experience. Yet Peter knew that that wasn't ultimately what the crowd needed to hear. They needed to hear about the one who accomplished the miracle. So he told, he took the initiative to tell about the power of Christ and the gospel of Christ. He took the opportunity to tell them the miracle has nothing to do with us. Why do you stare at us? Why do you wonder at us? The fact that this man is walking has nothing to do with our own power, has nothing to do with our own piety. This was a vital, necessary address because Peter knew that the only saving power comes not by seeing or hearing about miracles, but rather only but through hearing the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. Peter refused to take credit for this sign. It wasn't the result of his own power or piety. Piety is just a word for saying godliness. Church, we as Christians need to be reminded that anything we do for God and his kingdom has nothing to do with us. Your God-given gifts and your godliness have nothing to do with you. It is all about the Lord. His grace and His power working through us. Listen to these words from Yahweh in Jeremiah 9. Thus says the Lord, The Lord says, I delight, declares the Lord. What about this one? Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Peter knew that it was all about God through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of his gospel. In in this second sermon, we see Peter pointing out the name of Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers. And he said that the patriarchal God of the Exodus is the same God of the new covenant who glorified his servant Jesus. What makes Peter's sermon so rich? It is centered on the gospel of truth. The focus of the sermon was not on Peter nor anything it did to the lame man. The focus was all about Christ and Christ alone. It was all about Jesus and his mighty power. Peter said, whom they delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Peter confidently heralds the crucified Christ he set the death of Christ squarely and publicly on display. Pilate, the Roman governor, determined to let Jesus go because he found no guilt in him. Yet he was crucified because the Jewish mob insisted on crucifying him in John chapters 18 and 19. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Peter was not afraid to reveal the power of Christ Jesus to them. The glorious gospel revealed in Peter's sermon was far much better than the healing miracle of the man who laid at the beautiful gate. Because Jesus is the Holy One of Israel. He is the righteous one who was denied. He is the author of life who was killed and raised from the dead. He is the one whom the crowd rejected as they granted a murderer in Luke 23. Peter was not afraid to boldly confront the sins of these people. He used the word you several times in this section. The same way he used them in, the, in his first sermon on the day of Pentecost. In chapter 2 verse 23. You delivered him. You crucified him. You denied the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murderer. You killed the author of life. There is one, only one thing that put Jesus on a cross. Our many sins. But thanks be to God that He raised His only begotten Son from the dead and glorified Him at the majesty on high church, the grave could not hold him and because of his resurrection the apostles then and we today must remain united as witnesses by the power of Jesus it is his name Peter said By faith in his name, he has made this man strong. The man whom you see and know, yes, the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. church, the essence of signs and wonders is to glorify the name of Christ. And Peter's necessary address here shows us that. It is by faith in the power of the name of the risen Christ that this man was made well. There is power in the name of Jesus. And so, you should only boast in the power of Christ when you witness about Christ. Listen to Paul in Galatians 6, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which... The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This miracle happened in the authority and the power of Jesus. It did not happen under the authority and the power of Peter and John. Peter would not take credit for the faith that was exercised by the man in the healing miracle. He honored and exalted the name of Christ. Listen, our fleshly temptation has the tendency to lead us to always think that when we do good to other people, then we should boast about our own reputation 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 and well-being. Having that kind of mindset is a very bad place to be. When we as Christians do good to other people in this world and in the surrounding neighborhood of North Wilmington, whether it is your neighbors, Co-workers, or even the people you run into in the streets or stores, we should only do good through faith in the power, powerful name of Jesus Christ alone. Not ours or anybody else's. Christ alone. First Corinthians four. Verse 7 says this, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Uh, Christ alone gets the honor. Uh, Christ alone gets the honor the glory having the self-denial kind of mindset I believe is a great opportunity when it comes to sharing the gospel Uh, we must decrease so Christ might increase all the more so if Peter's necessary address is the power of Christ and his gospel What did he encourage this crowd to do regarding the gospel? Well, we see here in verses 17 to 26, Peter pleaded with them by giving them, point number three, the urgent call. He said, and now, brothers, verse 17, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Uh, Peter pointed out their sins, but he never showed any hate for them. He didn't say, And now you filthy people, get out of here. No, he called them brothers. Very sympathetic. But notice in the previous verses, verses 13 and 14, Peter accused them of denying Christ. Here, he simply told them that they acted in ignorance. He was trying to help them recognize that they had rejected the Messiah. He was trying to help them see that they stood guilty before a holy God. Church, ignorance of Christ is a sin towards Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do was the cry of the Savior at the cross. In Luke 23, verse 34. So regardless of all their ignorance and sin, uh, God's plan cannot be thwarted. Only God can use the worst of evil and bring about ultimate goodness for his glory. Peter urged them, Repent! Therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. See, in his first sermon, when the crowd heard him preach, they asked, What shall we do? Peter then gave them the urgent call, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of all your sins. But here... He told them, he told this set of crowds to repent and turn back. I don't, think there, I don't think there is a sort of distinction. His goal was certainly to urge them to repent and believe. Repentance is not merely feeling sorry for your sins. True, genuine repentance is gut-wrenching hate Towards your sin to the point where you want to slate on the throat. Repent and turn back. Turning back is a glorious word of hope. It is an urgent call to come back to the Lord. Peter was basically saying, kill sin and look to Christ. Turn to the Lord that your record of debt might be erased. Do you want to see God the Father in glory? Repent from sin and turn to Christ by faith. What is the benefit of repenting and turning back to Christ? Repent and turn back. So verse 20. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Peter was referring to the times when Jesus will return and rule the earth in righteousness. Peter went so far as to say that he, the Father, may send the Christ when the full number of God's people repent and turn to Christ, God the Father will send His Son Jesus to return in glory. In Matthew 24, verse 14, Matthew declares this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then... The end will come. The hasten of the second second coming of Christ is driven when we proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And I pray that God would help us consider the lost and share the glorious news of his only saving grace so that many might hear that jesus christ is lord and he is the only person that can get you to get you to god and to heaven he's the only person that can you can have a right relationship with god the father peter made it so explicit in verse 21 that jesus we remain in heaven until the time of the restoration of all things. Turning to Christ is one of the many restoration of all things. So why did Peter bring out Moses and start quoting Deuteronomy in Genesis 22, verse 18 anyway? Here's why because the Jewish people were looking for a prophet like Moses. And so Moses declared to the Jewish people in Deuteronomy 18 that the Lord, Yahweh, promised to raise up a prophet like him for for them from among the brothers. And that prophet which God promised to raise is whom the people should listen to. Here, Peter He's using Deuteronomy 18 as a supporting passage to identify that the promised prophet who was to be raised by Yahweh is already here. God fulfilled that promise. Peter continues to say that all the prophets in the Old Testament from Samuel and all the prophets that came after Samuel, verse 24, also proclaimed these days. God has fulfilled the promise. The great prophet is here and available right now. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is whom you should listen to. Oh, Peter said, repent from your wicked ways and turn and listen to Christ. Peter said, the heir of the covenant blessing promised to Abraham by God in Genesis is you. It's you. If you repent and listen to Christ, to be part of the family of God in Christ, you must repent from sin and listen to Christ by faith. If you don't, be warned of the great coming judgment of God. If you don't listen to Jesus, the great prophet, who is here available right now be warned, verse 23 you will be destroyed from among the brothers from among the people I don't don't know anything else serious than that I don't know anything more scarier than that we must take sin seriously. Church, one of the many reasons why Jesus came was to completely reverse the fall. Uh, The act of change in condition and status is definitely kingdom worthy, but it is not the means of salvation. You might not be physically healed in this world, but in Christ, you are completely healed in the next. The unexpected gift was a sign of healing to the lame man at the gate, which pointed to the necessary address which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what do we do with this gospel? We give heed to the urgent call to repent of sin and turn back to the living Savior. If you have trusted in Christ and recognized that you have been set free before a holy judge, continue to be witnesses by the power of Christ. As you continue being witnesses by the power of Christ, church, only boast in the power of Christ when you witness about Christ. Let us pray.